welcome in. If you haven't seen this movie, go check it out. Come back, watch this review. Your experience of this review will be enhanced, I must say. I've come to realize that some people just watch my reviews without having seen the movie, and I, I don't understand why. Because these are more of these are more of retrospectives as opposed to just straight out reviews. Retrospectives and breakdowns kind of detail the entire story linearly. And this movie is dated because I think the majority of people use smartphones now, and they don't use digital disposable cameras. Things have been made way easier for us now. But I can envision the writer and director, same guy. I can envision how he came up with this idea because a lot of ideas for movie plots. As specific as this, they start out as what-ifs. Like, oh, what if a photo developer became infatuated with one of his clients? And then I'm sure it just snowballed after that. Because this movie came out in 2002. Mark Romanek wrote and directed this movie. He's usually known for commercials and music videos. Even after this movie, his next feature wasn't until 2010. And he was just doing all these music videos. And his first feature was 1985. And I think maybe some documentaries. But knowing that, you can definitely see a music video influence in this movie, especially the dream sequence. Jack Nicholson was originally offered the role, but it went to Robin Williams. And I wish I knew what the director saw in Williams in relation to the role of Seymour uh, Parrish. It's such an unconventional role for him to be playing, but seeing this movie, I can't imagine anybody else playing the role. 2002 was the year for Robin to play bad guys because in the same year he also played the main antagonist in Christopher Nolan's Insomnia opposite Al Pacino. So this, that year specifically, he was trying to break the mold and shift people's perception of him as an actor. Because Robin Williams studied at Juilliard. He was not meant to just be a comedian. He is such a good actor. We open on Seymour or Cy Parrish being photographed and booked in a police station. And he sat down in the interrogation room where a detective comes and asks Cy some questions. This is the beginning of the movie, but the end of the story. Sai's already been caught and brought in for the crimes that he's committed, and the detective asks him, like, what did the family do to provoke you so much? We then experience the entire movie as a flashback, with some of Sai's narration involved there. So there's a mother, Nina Yorkin, who clearly has an attachment to her digital camera that has a cartridge roll in it, and she routinely brings these rolls to a photo developing store where Sai works. Sai even intrudes and dismisses the employee that starts attending her because she's a regular and he knows her routine. He even says her home address before she does. And there's one more picture left on the camera roll, so Sai takes the picture of himself. This is the first instance that we see of Sai Parrish trying to impose his way into their life. He asks, uh, how's Jake doing? He even knows Jake's age. She says it's his birthday, and we get the sense that Cy already knows that. This can be interpreted as Nina being impressed by this customer service representative that's really good at his job. He must know his customers very well. Like, I like going to the nearest coffee shop and not even having to say my order. They see me and they know what to make. I like that. That's what Nina thinks Cy is doing because those are the vibes that he gives off. But we know that it's a little bit stranger than he's letting on. Sai's narration in the movie, I think, is a little bit misplaced or it should have been tweaked. They should have made it sound like Sai talking to the detective instead of just a straightforward traditional narration. It sounds like Robin Williams is reading an audiobook to us as he's narrating, and that, that's just a nitpick of mine, but anyways. Once Nina's photos are developed, she comes and picks him up with her son Jake. Sai gives Jake a birthday present. 
which is actually just a free disposable camera. This is not an act of kindness for Jake. This is an act of sinister, a sinister act from Sai. If he gives them a free camera, they're gonna come back with photos. Sai even peeks at Nina's purse while they're talking and he, and he sees the book that she's reading. She doesn't notice that, but we do. Just some very subtle little hints to show us that this dude is off his rocker. The store closes down, Sai goes home, it's quiet, lonely, he probably doesn't even say words when he's at home. In fact, he spends his time, his free time, looking at the copies of the photos that he's made from Nina's role. He's at this diner by himself, and he's in, he even tells the waitress that these pictures are of, of his family. He pawns them off as his own, which is really just wishful thinking on his part. We understand that envy, envy is fueling him a little bit. Jake, the nine-year-old, can sense Sai's sadness and even expresses that to his mom and his mom is like, he probably has a girlfriend or parents that love him, but as she's saying that, that's juxtaposed with Sai in his apartment with seemingly nobody in his life. His apartment is that of a minimalist, but he does have a framed photo. He has framed photos of Nina's family at his own place. Not only that, they also reveal an entire wall dedicated to Nina's family photos. Evidently, they are his target. He envies what he sees, which is a seemingly picture-perfect family. That's his perception of it, which is why his world comes crumbling down when he figures out that that is far from the truth. As we cut to Nina and her husband arguing about their life together, Nina accuses Michael of being neglectful and, and she's pissed that and he's pissed that she's spending all of his money. And Sai's predatory personality starts to seep through the cracks when we see him lose control a little bit when he calls a maintenance guy to fix one of their machines, but the issue is minuscule. There's nothing to fix. But because it's slightly miscalculated, Sai starts to freak out. He shouts at the maintenance guy in, front of, in the middle of the store, in front of his own boss. We get the sense that he has a level of rage inside of him that is going to explode one of these days. I've heard that people like Ted Bundy and Jeffrey Dahmer would lose their minds over small little details that aren't going their way. Anything that's even slightly out of their control is a total threat to them. We see that inside. And he's even talked to by the boss. Gary Cole plays his boss, which is really funny because he was also the boss in Office Space with the mug. Yeah, so I'm gonna need data. Yeah, he doesn't do that here, but he tells Sai to use his vacation time. You got plenty of time saved up. Sai is an overachiever at work, which is par for the course for somebody like him. One random day, Michael Yorkin finds his way into the store and Sai recognizes him. Almost like a celebrity, he's awestruck. He strikes up conversation with him and oversteps his bounds unintentionally by saying, you have a beautiful family and such a beautiful home, when he's only seen pictures of it. And Michael's like, thanks. Later at the same diner, we see Sai reading the book that Nina was reading. Surprise, surprise. Then we see him at like a photo renaissance fair and he selects this random picture and he buys it. I've never even been to a place like this where there's just a ton of stock photos that people can purchase. So Sai purchases one and he uses it later. Then there's a scene of Sai sitting outside the home of the Yorkin family and he's just watching the home. They don't seem to be there and then he breaks into the house and he just explores their home. He uses the toilet. He sees a, the picture that he took of himself pinned up against the wall, which makes him happy. But all of a sudden it cuts back to the car and he never actually entered the home. This was all his fantasy. We get to see his imagination a lot in this movie. 
Things that he wishes were real and things that stress him out completely. One scene that is real is where Sai goes to Jake's soccer practice. He sits on the bleachers and watches his team scrimmage. After the soccer practice, Sai walks up to Jake. He tries giving him a gift, but Jake is like, I, I can't accept this. This is not a toy that my parents would want me to have. And it hurts Sai a little bit. But he doesn't realize, he must not realize that he's overstepping his bounds. Then Sai stalks Nina to the mall food court. And he makes it seem like all a coincidence. Like, oh, you're here too. Oh, wow, I was just over at Dairy Queen, saw ya. He's trying to find these entrances into their lives, even conversationally like her. Like, I never see you outside the store. And he whips out the book that she's reading just to get her attention. She's like, oh my gosh, I'm reading the same book. It's total manipulation on his part. Back at work, Sai's boss, Bill, catches some discrepancies with the numbers of the photos that they've been printing. All of the pictures that Sai has printed for his own personal use, they log records of it. And his boss fires him, which is devastating to Sai. He just lost access to his favorite thing in the world right now. And on his last day, it makes it worse that Nina comes in, into the store with the pictures from the free camera that they gave that he gave them. So now Sai has to process their new camera roll without doing extra copies for himself. And this is... His whole mood is different. He starts losing control big time. It's like he mourns the pictures of this family like a death in the family. He's so twisted. But his ego and his pride still propel him forward. He discovers through some other random client of his that comes in with a camera roll. She has pictures of Michael Yorkin, Nina's husband, in her camera roll. Meaning that Side just caught Michael cheating on his wife through these pictures. That right there sends Sai over the edge because he takes that betrayal so personally. Even though he's got nothing to do with his family, this is what officially causes Sai to lose control. He takes the situation into his own hands and he's going to make Michael regret the day that he ever cheated on his wife. Before he leaves the store for good, because he's been fired, he unlocks a weapons cabinet because he still has the keys and he retrieves this Rambo knife. I mean, it is a huge knife. And now that Sai no longer has access to their pictures, he follows them around and takes pictures of them with his own camera, without them knowing, obviously. But one thing that Nina doesn't know is that the camera roll that she just picked up, she doesn't know that Sai slipped one of the pictures from the other client with Michael Yorkin, he slips that into Nina's camera roll. So now she knows, and her world, Nina's world starts crumbling down. Because if Sai's world is going to get destroyed, he's going to destroy her, her world too. It's his twisted way of feeling connected to Nina through this newfound grief in both of their lives. That night, Sai is right outside the Yorkin's home as they eat dinner. He's spying on them, and they're all eating dinner together. Nina, Michael, and Jake. And this pisses Sai off, because he's like, what is wrong with this family? How is Nina not exploding and, and kicking Michael out of the house? He doesn't get it. She probably just has to process the information. People who find out that their partner is cheating, they don't immediately confront them. Not all the time. There's a waiting period before that happens. He tried to break up this family because he doesn't have one and it hasn't worked yet, so it's time to escalate the situation, according to him. On his wall of their pictures, he spends the time and scratches out Michael's face on every picture. 
While he's doing this, in the narration, Sai explains the origins of the term snapshot and how it was first used by a hunter, meaning technically snapshot was used as a hunting term. And now that Sai has been fired, he still has a, a beef with his boss because of that. So he takes a camera roll into his old job to have it processed. The boss is like, dude, get out of here. Like, we just fired you. You can't come back. But ultimately, he does let him process the photos just this once. A little bit later, we see what those pictures actually are. Every single picture from that camera roll is of Sai's boss's daughter. This is very much a threat to his former boss by letting him know that he knows where he lives. Bill, the boss, obviously calls the police. Now we see the detective in the beginning of the movie taking on Sai's criminal case, he comes into the narrative. The cops search Sai's apartment with a warrant, but his place is already set up for them. He's, he's not there and he was expecting them. All they see are the pictures of Michael Yorkin's family with the face scratched out. The stakes have now been heightened because Sai is two steps ahead of the police and has definite intent to harm. He tracks Michael to a hotel and cleverly finds out which hotel Michael is in with his mistress. He orders room service up to that room. This is where the climax of the film happens. He barges in on Michael and his mistress, acting as a room service. And since Michael is choosing to cheat on his wife, Sai forces Michael to cheat on his wife. Like, oh, you're hungry? Eat this! But metaphorically. It's a really intense scene. I don't, I can't imagine that any of the actors enjoyed making this scene. The police arrive, but Sai has already done his business. He didn't kill them, but he scared them enough to not leave their hotel room for a while. Sai had rented a hotel room just down the hall from them. The cops go in there, they find out. They find the knife, and it's spotless, so he didn't do anything to them. And they find the camera that Sai was using. But he's already on the run, and he is caught down in the parking garage of the hotel. Michael returns home to a devastated wife and son, and it's left ambiguous as to what this has done to their relationship. Maybe it's caused healing that can happen in their family. A newfound appreciation for the family that they do have, because back in the interrogation room, Sai gives this heartbreaking monologue about what happened to him as a kid in relation to pictures. What Sai just did to Michael by forcing them at knife point and camera to do these sex positions happened to him when he was a kid at the hand of his father. So he was acting out his own trauma. This was a trauma response to Michael's betrayal, which is why he took it so personally. That added detail at the end puts the whole movie into perspective. Not that it excuses anything, any of his actions, but it does help explain them a little bit. This man is mentally unwell. That's why he's so obsessed with pictures. He's trying to find good purpose in pictures because he's been so traumatized at a young age. The last thing that Sai does in the interrogation room is he asks for the pictures that he took, and the, the detective hands them over. And this is pretty shocking, because you're like, whoa, that's a crime scene, what are you doing? Sai takes out the pictures from the envelope, and he sets them on the table in front of him. They are not pictures of everything that we just saw in the hotel room. They are just random pictures of Sai's hotel room, like the sink, the bed, the toilet, the closet, showing us that the scene in the hotel room with Michael and the mistress and Sai might not have happened at all. The film closes out with a photo of Sai, Michael, Nina, and Jake all happy together and smiling, making the end of the movie ambiguous in nature because Maybe Psy opted out 
and didn't follow through with this plan, maybe he stopped the trauma cycle by not acting out his trauma. Really interesting and subtle twist at the end that Sai would rather live in his delusion than face the reality of his shattered existence. The way that this movie is told is very unique. And this is by far the most complex character that Robin Williams ever got to play. I love that this movie exists because of the perspective shift that we get to have with Robin Williams. He didn't even need to do more of this type of movie. This was perfectly fine. And you don't really know what the message of the movie is until that final scene in the interrogation room. Then it all clicks. It all clicks that this man has such trauma in relation to photos. Anyways, that is my review of One Hour Photo. Thank you, go to... Anyways, that is my review of One Hour Photo. Thank you guys so much for watching. Let me know what you think about this movie in the comments, and I will see you next week. Peace.